PSF, it is so good to see you all. Wow. Gosh. It is, it is very, very surreal standing here for me because, uh, you know, I was, uh, I've been here, this is my 17th school year here now at CSF, and I remember when this was just a pile of dirt over here with some ratty old houses, uh, something you all, none of you all probably even remember, maybe a few of the staff, and, you know, God just gave us this land in a really incredible way. Uh, we did have to pay some for it, but it was just an amazing thing, and so to see you all here tonight and to be over here, uh, it is an amazing honor to get to be here. As you probably know, but just in case you don't, uh, we are building a new building across the way. Are you all aware of that, uh, where the old, yeah, where the old CSF building uh, stood. So this is kind of uh, a temporary home, which it's a really nice temporary home. Gosh, I know when I was in Lewis house one day, my eight-year-old daughter said, dad, I could live here. I'm like, you think? Because this is way nicer than our house, Miriam. Uh, this, this is, it's just amazing to get to be here. Hey, let me say this really, really quickly from off the top, just so you hear it from me, because uh, having been here 17 years, it is important for me. If you are new here, and I know a lot of you are freshmen. I know a lot of people are maybe, you know, second year, like, hey, I didn't really get involved. Last year was COVID or whatever. You know that I understand CSF at the beginning of the school year can look really intimidating. The rooms are big. The parties are big. There's lots of people. And, and while that's its own unique kind of fun, we also work really, really hard to make CSF small, that we work really hard to... Uh, figuring out how people can form friendships, people can build communities to where your name is known, your story is known. You can, you've got people in your life who are going to encourage you, support you, maybe challenge you if the moment calls for it, and you can do the exact same thing for them. And so I just beg you, especially for those of you who are like, hey, I'm just checking this out. If you just give this place a few weeks, if you give this place a few weeks, I've seen it over the years, it's usually about a week, around week four, five, six, somewhere in there, people who are new just start to go, man, this place, it's not just becoming a place anymore. Like, this is becoming a, a group of people that I call friends, and actually, it's a community that I call home. And, and that's what I want for you. That is our heart. That's why we do so many meals and, and things like that together, because it's just kind of that level playing surface of, man, let's just sit down, let's eat together, let's talk, let's strike up random conversations, you know, all those kinds of things. That is our heart. That is my heart very much for CSF. So, as we jump in to Synergy this semester, these first few weeks, I'm up here tonight. I, I begged David House Connect. Basically, I had to bribe him to let me come up here and teach this week because uh, some of you all know. You all know David? Do you all know who David is? David's up here earlier. D, D House, yeah. Honored to have David here with us. David's going to be up here the next few weeks, but I was like, oh, can I please just be up here the first week? I just love it. David's going to be up here. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. This is what we brought you here to do is to because David's just such a gifted teacher. But I was like, let, let me try this first week because I, this is just such a passion topic for me. And David's going to be up here these next few weeks. And we're talking about this whole thing, a better story. And so as we talk about these, these stories over the next few weeks, the, the thing I want to make clear is I'm sure you guys hear a lot of stories in college. We all do, right? We all hear stories. I'm sure you've probably already heard some stories. You come back to your dorm, dude, you'll never believe what happened last night, right? Or did you hear about the breakup? Let me tell you all about it. You know, you, you hear story after story after story. And it's one of the great parts of college, right? Just the amazing stories that you made in college. One of his favorite stories was a rather embarrassing story he loved to tell about me. And, and I've shared it here before. And I share it in some ways just because, one, it's, it is a kind of a funny story. But also, too, it just kind of lets you know that, like, oh, yeah, that guy on stage that kind of halfway looks put together, whatever. He was kind of a bozo in college like, like a lot of us in here. And so maybe he could relate with me as well. And the story was, there was this girl, there you go, you, you know, 
as so many college students with guys start, there was this girl. There was this girl, and, you know, the school I went to, she was on the volleyball team, and, you know, and she was this, you know, just, you know, towering, beautiful woman who would just, you know, tower across campus. You'd see her beauty echoing everywhere because uh, she was so tall. And, you know, of, of course, being the towering beauty that she was, you know, beaming light, you know, wherever she walked, uh, I noticed her and thought, man, yeah. Uh, for some reason, I thought I had a chance, which... Maybe it was just an exercise of self-delusion, but uh, for whatever reason, I thought I had a chance, and you know, I, I will not try. I've told this story before, and I've accidentally said her name, so hopefully I won't uh, tonight, so we'll just call her Julie, and uh, you know, Julie, you know, was this girl, and I was like, oh man, how can I kind of, you know, we've all done it, like how can I get up there, maybe have a conversation, or you know, get to know her, all these kinds of things, and you know, you're plotting and scheming, whatever. Well, this, this went on for a, a little bit. I was trying to figure out how, how can I get in touch with her. And, you know, of course you want to look your best and look good and kind of make a, a good impression. And, you know, this one, at the beginning of every semester, who in here has made like a health, a health uh, commitment at the beginning of the semester? Like, I'm going to work out. I, I'm going to the gym. I'm running. I'm getting up at 4.30 in the morning after going to bed at 4.15. Uh, right? <laughs> I, I'm doing it. This is the semester that I would do it. And my roommate and I would often, you know, because we were the same way, we would make these commitments ourselves. We're doing it. This is the semester. We're, we're, all, we're getting into shape. And you know, we would go, for some reason, we, I mean, as, as a lot of people do, go to a weight room to get in shape. You know, you're at, you've got uh, treadmills. You've got all this stuff in there. I don't know what we were thinking. Neither of us knew what we were doing in that weight room. Uh, you know, that's right. That's not too hard to figure out. You get the bench press in there. And, of course, there's, you know, you, know, you sit-ups, you know, whatever. So I was, I was pretty much going to be, like, good from here to here. I don't know what about the rest of me. But uh, bench press and sit-ups, I thought we'd be fine. And so we're in the gym uh, there at, at the school, and the, uh, we're, we're working out, if you want to call it that. We're attempting to, to work out with what little we knew of it. And in walks some of the volleyball team. And, and Julie, I almost said her name, uh, Julie walks in with this group of girls. And I'm like, okay, man, I, we got to look serious here now. We got to get it together and, and uh, you know, show that we know what we're doing. We're, you know, we're men. We're serious about getting in shape here. And so we're doing our bench presses or whatever, and then, you know, we're done with bench press because we go to the only other thing we know. We're over there, and we're doing, like, you know, we're doing crunches. And, you know, the, the gym wasn't too big, and she and some of the girls on the team were working out some equipment. And I'm like, oh, man, she's right over here, and I'm over here working out. This, this you know, maybe something's going to, uh, you know, the stars are going to align here. We're going to talk. And, uh, and so we're over there, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do, you know, another set of this, and then maybe, you know, maybe go talk. And so we get up there, and I'm doing, you know, crunches, and, and I don't know if any of you all have ever had this experience, but I don't know if it was the, you know, what, the very thing that was keeping me from eating shit was all the Taco Bell I was eating, you know, the late night pizzas and everything else, but that just doesn't do wonders for your digestive system, right? And so I'm on the, I'm on the machine here getting ready to do and attempting to do a crunch, you know, oh, you're up there, and all of a sudden, echoing through off the walls of the, of the gymnasium, yeah, you got it uh, there. And, and I just remember to this day, just that, that loud echoing noise that came out from someplace deep within me. I see my roommate, the supportive young man that he was, doubled over in laughter, grabbing his gym bag and like getting outside the gym door and literally just falling in the floor with laughter. 
And I was very quickly behind him in both, uh, you know, in just a sense of utter embarrassment and also uh, you just have to laugh at yourself, right? And just go, okay, that was pretty funny. That's pretty embarrassing. And Julie and I never went out. Uh, that, that was pretty, pretty much it. Uh, <laughs> that was one of my best moments in college there. It all went downhill from there, believe it or not. No, stories. Stories are great. They're funny. They're great ways of connecting with people. You know, one author that I really like, so when you're trying to build a friendship, he says, uh, stories are verbal acts of hospitality. You tell a story because you want to invite someone into your life. You listen to a story because you want to say, hey, listen, man, you're welcome. I want to hear your story. I want to hear the stories that you're telling. And stories, you know, some stories we hear, we know they're stories, right? You knew when I was telling you that story, okay, this is a story. I'm telling you a story. But oftentimes in life, we hear stories, and we don't necessarily recognize them as stories at first. We hear things that we don't quite get. Oh, that's a story that I'm hearing. I mean, think about it. A lot of you, you know, you came to college because you had heard that you should go get a degree. Getting a degree will help you get a good job. It'll help you make money. It'll help you be a success. All of that is a story. It's a story about what does a good life look like. Well, the story that you've been told probably is, hey, go to college, get a job, get money, you know, all that stuff. That's a story. That's a story about what, what a fulfilled, happy life looks like. Or for some of you, you've probably heard the story too, that, hey, college is meant to be the best years of your life, right? It's meant to be that time where you just go and live it up. Don't worry about grade. Just pass enough classes so you can get a degree and somehow get a job. And, you know, they don't care that your GPA was like 1.2 or whatever. Uh, you know, just live it up. That is a story that we often hear about college. It's certainly, you know, the, the story that we hear from somebody like a Mr. Budweiser who says, hey, man, just go live it up. Live in the moment. Have another beer. Have another six beers. Don't worry about grades. Don't worry about the, the next morning. Just live in the moment and live it up and don't worry about anything else other than just just whatever brings you the most pleasure in this particular moment. To be honest with you, I was a little bit nervous as I was just praying and trying to go, God, what is it that you want students to hear? What is it if I can help us get off on this right foot and get going in the right direction for this school year? What do you want them to hear? And as I was just praying, I just kept Jesus, I just kept impressing this scripture on me that Andy read tonight about Jesus saying, you know what? You've heard all these other stories about what the good life is about. You've heard the stories about success. You've heard the stories about pleasure. You've heard the stories about fame and money, all those different things that you think are going to make your life meaningful, that you think are going to bring you happiness. But Jesus says, I've got another story. I mean, it goes against all the graduation speeches you heard, right? You know, the graduation speeches you heard are, you know, pursue your dreams, pursue your dreams as if you knew what was best for your life, as if you had some ultimate vision of wisdom that you can kind of see in this grandiose way of how your life is best to be lived. I mean, yeah, you've got ideas, and yes, you've got some insight because it is your life. But do we really know, as these faulty human beings with these little small brains walking around inside our our heads, uh, do we know what the good life really is for us, for others, for the world? I know it sounds heavy. It certainly sounds heavy on an opening week to talk about dying to yourself, to take up your cross. Man, I mean, I know some of you are going, man, I just thought I'd come to CSF to make some friends. I thought I'd come to CSF and have some fun, meet some people, have a great time in college. Here's the thing. I want all of that for you, too. I want you to meet friends. I want you to live the biggest life possible, the best life possible. I want that for you, and God certainly wants that for you too. 
success, money, pleasure, all of that may have a certain place. In fact, it does have a certain place in life. But if you want to find your life some sort of deep, lasting happiness, if you simply chase after those things, what I can promise you is you will not find life. Jesus says if we're going to find life, don't chase our own path, don't chase our culture's path, follow his path. And so tonight, living a better story, the story that you often hear is that college is the place to just live it up. It's the time of your life. And in some sense, that's true. But the better story is that true life, deep life, everlasting life is only found in Jesus. Man. Amen. Yeah, there we go. Here's the thing. Jesus does not need me. I appreciate the symbols. Uh, verifying, you know, if, if anybody wants to come up here on the drum set and work this, I'll be playing here all week. Um, but Jesus doesn't need me to validate him. Jesus' words are what they are. If you want to have life, if you want to have life, follow me. And I promise you, if you live that out, you will find that to be true. But I just want to share with you really quickly tonight just three short reasons why I think Jesus has this right, that if we are looking for life and life at its best, that following Jesus is how we find and how we experience life at its best. And the first reason is this, is that Jesus is the author of life. Jesus invented life. Colossians 1.16, everything that was made in this world, it was made through him. Every single atom, every single molecule in your body, every single thing in the entire universe, Jesus made. And so if you want to know oftentimes how something works and works at its best, oftentimes you go to the inventor of it, Right? Because they're the ones that made it. They're the ones that understand it the most. You want to go to find out how a, you know, a car works, you know, maybe go find Henry Ford or maybe something more, you know, more uh, contemporary. Go to Mr. Dogecoin himself. You know, go to uh, Elon Musk. He can tell you how the Tesla best works because he made it. He was there inventing it. And if you want to know about life, ask the inventor of life. Ask the creator. Don't go to Mr. Budweiser and his, his sales pitch on what he says life is like or to Mr. Hefner of what he says it's life. Again, there's nothing wrong with living life in all its expansiveness. And I think sometimes Christians get a bad rap, and sometimes we give ourselves a bad rap because we walk around a little, you know, a little somber, a little, you know, and I'm like, man, God wants us life. I mean, one of, one of the things I may shock you to hear talking about Mr. Hefner and his views on sex. Do y'all know who Hugh Hefner is? I'm just curious if I'm dating myself. Okay. I'm like, do they still know who this guy is? Um, one of the things that's interesting about even Christians in life is because a lot of times people are like, oh, sex, church, you know, you get those two th- topics can't mix. A recent survey was done. And you know, in this survey of, of, you know, sex and who was experiencing the best sex, and this large survey was done. Over a thousand, a thousand couples were surveyed. Hey, tell us about your sex life. You know who had the best sex life in the survey? Married Christians. Married Christians. That's right. (laughs) Of which I might add, I am one. So, uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> and this is why they don't let me teach much, because they're like, Brian, you always say awkward things on stage. But, and do not tell my wife I said that, because she'll be like, you're so embarrassing. Don't, don't talk about that stuff uh, up in front of everyone. Here's the thing, though. 
is that when you follow Jesus in his plan, when you say, Jesus, okay, I know what my world tells me. I know what the world says. Hey, do this, do that. You know, I mean, you think about all of the, just thinking about that topic of sex, think about all the visions of, of sexual fulfillment that are thrown out there of like, hey, just go hook up with people. Just sleep with as many people as you can. Just experience, you know, it's all about the moment, the one night stand, that sort of thing. And what they, what people are finding out as they survey and as they dig down, they talk to people, they go, that is a myth. It's a story, but it's a false story. It's a myth. It's not true. And if we dig down deep enough, I'm convinced we would find over and over and over again that when we follow Jesus, we say, Jesus, okay, I don't get it. Yes, there's things in the moment that I, know that, that I don't understand, but I'm going to trust your vision for life that we would find that that truly is life at its best. You know, the word party in college, you, you probably, you know, people talk about going out to party. Story to it, a particular connotation. And, and, you know, I've said over the years, one of the things I hope to reclaim, I hope to reclaim on the college campus is that word party. Because, I mean, we all know what it means. When we say, hey, you know, let's go out and party. They went out and partied last night or, you know, whatever. Oftentimes it has that connotation, a particular kind of party. But, but what I want to reclaim that word for is because Jesus, again and again, in his imagery of heaven itself, he says heaven is like a party. It is like this big, joyous, eternal celebration. And as Christians, I don't think we need to give up on that word party. I mean, how many of you were just at one of the parties last week? Barn party, anybody? L Luau? Yes, good. Let's hope no one had COVID at that party. Um, <laughs> true, true. Here's the thing. Over the years of the Luau, and I, I was just kind of, I was factoring this math up a little bit as I was, you know, preparing for this message tonight. We have had over 50,000 people come through luau parties over the years. Over 50,000 people have come through CSF's luau parties. You know how many sexual assaults we've had at a party like this? Zero. How many people have died of alcohol poisoning? Zero. I mean, but was the party amazing? Yes. And so I just get, you know what, I just want to reclaim this and go, Jesus knows something about life. We can celebrate life at his best when we follow Jesus. Second thing, and there's a mystery here, and, and I want to lean into this mystery a little bit that Jesus, I think, is teaching us when he says that you're not going to get life by simply chasing life on your own. You've got to follow me. And the mystery is this, is that you don't get happiness by chasing happiness. You will not get happiness by chasing happiness. You don't get a good life by chasing the good life. If, if that's what you do, then all you're going to get is this whirlwind of ambitions that leave yourself exhausted. It's going to be a chasing after the wind. You're just going to be chasing after that next emotional high, that next thing that you think will bring you happiness. If you are just simply, it's something like uh, winning a championship in sports, which if you're on one of the athletic teams here, that is great. I hope you win championships this year. We had volleyball championships. We had uh, yeah, all, you know, multiple national championships this past year. But it's something like this. If you win a championship, you don't win a championship by chasing the championship. You don't just say you don't chase wins, as it were. What you do do is you go out and you do conditioning. You think, what in the world does this conditioning, running up and down this hill, have anything to do with how to hit a baseball, how to spike a volleyball, or how to, you know, whatever it is you do. But you do these things. You condition. You diet. You live unselfishly. And what's the outcome of all that? You win. And you often win championships. 
Bobby Knight, the famous basketball coach, said, the will to win is not nearly as important as the will to prepare to win. And when it comes to happiness, if you want happiness, don't just chase happiness. Chase the things that bring happiness. And the one that ultimately brings happiness for us, the one who ultimately brings fulfillment, Jesus says, is himself. Because if, again, you simply chase it, you won't get it. But if you follow the author of happiness, you'll find it. Lastly, point three here. Jesus isn't interested in your short-term happiness. He's just not. But what he is interested in is your long-term joy. Jesus isn't interested in your momentary happiness. He isn't nearly as concerned. Yes, he cares about the next five minutes of your life. But what he cares about are the next five decades of your life. That's what he really cares about. Not the next five minutes or five hours. He lives with this grand picture of your life that you and I, he's wanting us to see, to go, if you only pursue the next five minutes, the next five hours, the next five months, you will miss out on these huge vistas that he's calling us to, this huge life that he's opening up for us. C.S. Lewis, I mean, we're here at Lewis House. We've got to at least quote C.S. Lewis once a semester. Um, C.S. Lewis says this in his famous, this famous sermon he gave during World War II at an Oxford cathedral where he says in his sermon, The Weight of Glory, he says, We are half-hearted creatures in sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. We're thinking about the next five minutes. God is thinking about the next five decades and this huge life. We cannot simply live in the moment. At CSF, I hope we're always real. I hope we're always practical. I hope we're always straightforward. We don't need to come in here and pretend. And so I, I, we want to have honest conversations about a lot of different things. And, and, and one, one of those honest points I, I just want to say even tonight is the reality is that sin's fun, right? Sin is fun. If you don't have fun when you're sinning, then you're really getting hosed. I mean, you, you, you know, you, you, I, I, I mean, true story. I mean, you, if you're not having fun, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. When, when we break off from the plan that God has for us, and that's what the Bible calls sin, when we break off from this path that God has for us, then, then you are cutting yourself off from that path where God says, this is the path of life. This, I want you to have life. I want you to have joy. Here's the way to do it. And when we go, no, God, I, I've got this. And I just want you to just kind of leave me alone here. And I've done it in my life plenty of times. And when we do it, you know, yes, it's fun in the moment. It is often fun in the moment. But it is like drinking a sweet-tasting poison. It's like drinking a sweet-tasting poison that it may taste good in the moment, but in the long run, it will kill you. It just leaves you hollow. There will be things in following Jesus, no doubt, that we have to give up. If we are going to follow the path he has for us, Jesus himself, in that passage Andy read earlier, Jesus himself had a friend, one of his best friends, Peter, who says, Jesus, no, you're talking about going to the cross. You're talking about this is the plan for you of giving your life. That doesn't sound right. That, that doesn't sound like it's going to bring you happiness, joy, fulfillment. And Peter says, hey, Peter, you got to get behind me. You got to get out of here. I, I, I don't have time and I don't, this is not what God has. And Peter You've been a friend now, and you need to step aside. And for those of us, for a lot of us in here, there's going to be times where we have to go, hey, you know what, I've got friends in my life. They want to walk a certain path. They're going a certain way. And it's not to say you have to hate them or, or think they're the worst people in the world or whatever. You just go, you know what, God, I think you're calling me a different direction, and I want to go that way. 
There are going to be things, pleasures you have to walk away from, uh, maybe dating relationships that you need to step back from, parties that you need to avoid. I mean, I remember one time in college, uh, my freshman year, and uh, there was some, a group of my friends were, were um, they were watching some stuff that I just knew. I was like, man, God, this is not what you want my eyes to take in and my heart to, to be a part of. And so I, I just, you know, I just kind of quietly started to leave the room and and head back to my dorm, and I still remember one of the guys, uh, you know, made, made some snide comment to me. Uh, he said, uh, hey, why don't, why don't you go call Barney, um, which, not the purple dinosaur, uh, but Barney was the name of the guy who led me to Christ about a year before that, and, uh, but, but he said, why don't you go call Barney, you know, go have a, have a phone call with him, and he was just digging at me, because he knew about a year, it was a guy I went to high school with, and he knew I'd given my life to Christ right before my senior year of high school, and he was just digging at me, making fun of me, and, and you know, all the rest of the guys, all my friends stayed, and, and I was the, the one person that night that walked out of that room, and I just thought, God, man, these are my friends. These are people I've grown up with. I've known you know, for so many years now, but you're calling me a different direction, and that story, just because I'm old, that, that comment he made to me was, was 31 years ago. I mean, 31 years ago when I was a freshman in college, that, that comment was made to me. That comment stung. That moment hurt. Being feeling like I was kind of the social outcast and being isolated and everything, it, it was not a fun moment. But do I ever regret for one minute looking back on that, walking out of that room? Do I regret the loneliness I felt that night when I was like, man, my friends are all hanging out. So maybe they're, you know, who knows what, what they're going to do after this. But I just felt like I was supposed to leave. I don't regret it. I don't regret it at all. In fact, the only times in my life that I look back you know, the times I look and I go, man, God, I, I tried to do it my own way. When I look at things of like sexual, I look at times where I, I lived selfishly, times where I was a jerk to people, times where I should have been kind, all those moments, those are the only moments that I truly regret. But times when I follow Jesus, when I said, Jesus, you know best. I don't know. The current moment seems like if I do it my way, I'm going to go one way, but I'm going to choose to live outside of the current moment and live in a bigger reality. Jesus says this, John 10, 10. I love this. And it's almost, you know, people talk about life verses. I'm like, well, shouldn't the whole Bible kind of be your life verse? But if, if CSF had kind of the life verse, I love, I, I would possibly pick this one. John 10, 10. This is Jesus. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Not just halfway life, not just skimping by kind of life. Life and life to the full. The, the kind of life that the, the craziest moment of the luau or the best party you've ever been to or whatever, it is only an echo, a small glimpse of the kind of life that God wants for us. You need to understand that when we turn, when we turn from the true stories of Jesus, those other stories, if they're not coming from Jesus, they are coming from the evil one in some way, shape, or form. And the scripture calls him the father of lies. Jesus himself, John 8, talking about the devil. The evil one is the father of lies. So when he tells you something, you go, hey, these next five minutes, this next whatever decision you're about to make, it'll bring you happiness. It'll bring you fulfillment. If it is not down the path of Jesus, you have to know that it is coming from the father of lies. Please hear me too. Because I know, especially this time of the year, so many new people are here. And maybe people are going, I didn't grow up in church, but man, this seems like a kind of an interesting place. I'll, I'll check it out. Let me make sure that I'm really, really clear. That following Jesus is not, is not, is not. Just getting in behind him and letting him give you a list of rules to follow. It is not about do's and don'ts. 
It is not about so-called religion. It is about a relationship. It is about having this special mentoring of like, hey, I want to learn about what the best life looks like. And you've got the author of life mentoring you, guiding you, walking you through this. He's good, and he wants the absolute best for you. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about different aspects of that college story that you've been told. David's going to teach next week on, in the next few weeks on identity and lots of other things where we're going to listen to some of the false stories, but then hear the true stories of Jesus. Because here's what I want for you more than anything. On my desk at home, I keep a, a little, um, couple little, I don't know, show the sailboat picture. I'll rather than describe it, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. Go to the other one. Show the sailboat first. We got the sail. It's a little picture that I keep on my desk at home. Uh, it was actually uh, drawn by Zach Motes. Anybody know Zach Motes? Anybody remember that name around here? A few people. <laughs> Zach was an old staff member. Now he's, he's actually a campus pastor of a place in Louisville at UofL called Ignite. And uh, Zach actually painted this for me. And uh, he just is kind of a parting gift when he was leaving staff here after several years. And I keep it on my desk at home. It's just a, it's a picture of a sailboat at sea. And he also painted a, a separate thing. It's a little quote that uh, it's kind of connected, so they sit together, and this is what the quote says. It says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood, and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Teach them. Don't just, don't just give them rules and things to do. Teach them the hunger for being out on the sea and the wide-open adventures and where that can take you. And as much as anything around CSF, I hope you begin to get that sense of maybe God's picture for my life and maybe what God has for me is bigger than what I first thought. Maybe there is this utter immensity to the sea that God is calling me out into. It's not this little pond of just rules and boring stuff and with moss and stagnation. It is a huge ocean that he is calling me out into. And that's what I want you to, to begin to see, to begin to hunger for, to say, God, I want your life. I want you to teach me what life is about because that's what life is like. That's what life is lived at its best. Life, life, and more life. Best and most lasting variety. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I know we hear the stories, all of us in here, Myself, very much included, have heard the stories of if we just live in the moment. If we just forget about uh, things that you have taught us. But God, anytime we veer from our path, we don't just live a different kind of life. We live a lesser kind of life. And so, Jesus, I just beg you, even in these next few songs, to just tempt college students' hearts. Grab their hearts and say, would you believe me? Would you believe me that I have your best in mind? No one else does. No one else has a plan for your life like I do. If you would simply believe me, trust me with the details of that. Don't worry about the next five minutes or the next five months or whatever it is. Trust me with the next several decades of your life, and I will bring you life and life to the full. So, Jesus, I pray that students in here would begin. I pray that I would even deeper lean into that, that you have our best at heart, Jesus, and that life at its fullest is when we follow you. And so, Jesus, come. Take us a further step on that journey tonight. We pray in your good and strong name.